0: The McCartney MacAlphabet: An A to Z Guide to the Solo Career of Sir Paul McCartney. Hello there. You're listening to the McCartney MacAlphabet. I'm David Grave, and I'm Clary Sadler. And you are you. So we're all here. We're all here and ready for another one of these. And I, actually, I wrote down this episode features folk, reggae, blues and soul, sort of heavy rock pop and i wrote down dub but i'm not entirely sure what that is i just that was i just ran out of ideas but yeah quite a lot of different styles in this one no trip hop this
1: no trip hop this time no <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I didn't feel very convincing saying that so but yeah it's it's good to be back for another one how are you you okay
1: all good all good very excited to get into the C's.
0: yes how many letters we got left after this how many other letters are there in the alphabet 26 25 24 23 right. 20, yeah. we're right we're all right, yeah But this evening we have eight songs to get through. I say say get through, which makes it sound very negative. I mean, in a positive sense, we're going to be enjoying talking about these eight songs.
1: Or at least enjoying talking about seven of them.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to work out which one that would be. There's no biker like an Icons this time. I think we're pretty much liking most of these today, aren't we?
1: Most, I'd say I'm strongly liking six and a half of them.
0: Okay, I'm intrigued as to find out what that is mm. I, I have my suspicions I have my suspicions I
1: have issue, a slight issue with one But we'll we'll get to it when we get okay. to it
0: <laughs> And as we say, this is C So we should play the little sting A, B, C,
2: D, C
0: Not to be confused with little sting Who's like a sort of midget version Of the guy who fronts the police um, Who <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of But yeah, so C this evening Or this morning, depending on when you're listening Now, C will start and we'll start with Check My Machine. Hi, George.
2: Morning, Terry. Aye, George. Morning, Terry. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no i
1: Oh, check my machine. B-side to Waterfalls.
0: It's true, yeah.
1: Which, of course, both featured on McCartney 2, which we discussed a little bit in the uh, the last episode. Yes. It did come up with bogey music.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is a bit of a bone of contention for me. But yeah, <laughs> McCartney 2 is, is, is a mixed bag, I think it's fair to say.
1: And I, well, yeah, this was not on the original track list in a McCartney 2, but it has featured on the Archive Edition I think not including it. I think chuck that on in place of well any number. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything, there.
0: apart <laughs> from coming up on waterfalls, and you've got yeah. a better album.
1: <laughs> no, but maybe like put put it on in in place of dark room or something like that. Um, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good one from me. It's, it's a good uh, good review from me. Mm. All in all, I like the simplicity and kind of just. I say basic, it's not basic, because of course he's experimenting in a good yeah. way, I think, on this album, on this song.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think he's very sort of, in fact, I've written down self-assured, chilled, comfortable in his weirdness. That's what I wrote down. But it's definitely, mm. it's one of those, I think it's a bit like the fireman stuff in the sense that he's really not trying and in not trying, he does a really good job. Um yeah. You know, I, th- I, th- I think, like you said, I mean, this should have been on the album. It's su- it is such a great one. It's a really good groove and it's a... It's a very unlike him song as well, I think.
1: Yeah, and you've got that sort of the goofy bit at the start. What is it from? Um, no, not Tom and Jerry. Um, like Tweety Pie and oh, what was it called?
0: I found out. I saw I saw on Wikipedia. Yeah. Apparently the sample dialogue is from the 1957 Mary Medley's cartoon featuring Tweety and Sylvester called oh. Tweet, <laughs> Tweet Zoo. Um <laughs> But I always assumed it was the Flintstones because yeah. it sounds really like um, uh, Barney Rubble. But that's it because is. it's me- it's because it's Mel Blanc and he did the voice of Barney Rubble. So it all makes ah, sense. Yeah, the
1: mystery is solved. Yeah, yeah. So I think from that first opening to you know the spoken word, stick sticks and stones," it just sets it up that this is a bit of a goof around. This is me having a bit of fun. And like yep. you said, he's really comfortable in that zone. He's really comfortable and confident. Yeah, he's like realized I'm Paul McCartney and I can <laughs> experiment. I used to do this kind of experimentation in the Beatles, and yeah. there's actually nothing stopping me doing what I want, really. And I just, yeah, I love it. I love the fact that it is basically just the lyrics "Check My Machine" <laughs> yeah. repeated for what six minutes or close to six something minutes, something like yeah. That. yeah. I mean, there are, there are a couple of other different lyrics, aren't there? I've got I've got the the other lyric here okay. i got a woman a long time ago i had trouble i want you to see
0: what you can see so he doesn't scan so well when you say yeah. it, out loud. <laughs> it
1: doesn't <laughs> scan so well out loud yeah. I yeah, could have I, done I, I, without that. I think it, I think just keep checking my machine all the yeah. way
0: through. <laughs> well, and also it's a bit like that thing, isn't it? Because like with temporary Secretary, that was a bit of a, a sort of club hit more recently. And I think mm. this one has been played a lot as well. And I, I guess it's, uh, again, it sort of um, predates uh, what was coming because music has gone a lot much more down that route now, particularly dance music. So you don't need much more. You know, it's just a groove, isn't it? It's just a groove song. Um and the fact that it was essentially just a sound check—I don't know if you've yeah. read that before—that it's just yeah. literally him try it, checking the machine, checking. Yeah. The, you know, most people just go one, two, you know, or something. And to be fair, actually, because I think the lovely Linda on McCartney as well—that was a sound check as well. So he yeah. sort of kept the theme with this one with McCartney too. But yeah, even at his sound checks, he's better than anyone else, <laughs> bastard! Unbelievable.
1: So he was what thirty-seven. 36, oh. 37, when he wrote
0: this. I don't want to talk about it, because every time I hear that, it just <laughs> depresses me. It's, it's just ridiculous. So at this point, he's basically almost finished Wings, you know. Yeah. This is, well, I think he recorded it in 79, released it in 80, so it's 10 yeah, years yeah. on from Abbey Road and Let It Be. I mean, it's just mad, isn't it? I mean, what he's managed to fit into that time, and he's not even yet 40.
1: What I also appreciate about this side of Macca, this is what I would have... I probably would have loved McCartney too if it had all been stuff like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too, definitely. Because
1: it's, like, drastically so different from... Well, anything that he had done before, but anything that anyone in you know 7980 yeah. was doing and you're right it sort of hints at what was to come with the dance music craze and sort of yeah. even like hip-hop kind of influences you've got the sort of I, mean, I don't know how you describe them but that, that kind of like <laughs> robotic beeps and <laughs> things yeah. throughout you know it's kind of it just feels like a hip-hop sort of
0: yeah
1: yeah precursor you know it's, it, it's um, pointing at what was to come
0: And I'm sure I'd heard this before, but then I couldn't find the source for it. But I'm pretty sure, you know, the sort of banjo thing you can hear underneath most of the song There's like a riff Mm -hmm. going around. Mm -hmm. What it is, is a loop on the Mellotron. So I don't, right. ever, and in fact, it, this sort of reminded me of. I don't know if you've ever seen. There's a video of him. I, I know it was uh, used around the time of the promotion for Flaming Pie. But also, we did a similar thing when he did uh, Chaos and Creation, at Abbey Road. He goes around his studio and he demonstrates like all the equipment. Yeah. he has a go on the Metatron and he does this sort of thing where it sounds like a sort of um, German march and he's doing like voices over right. it and stuff. And I think that's what this is essentially. It's just a loop, the banjo loop. When you hold the key down, is the basic. Mm-hmm groove of it so yeah i've there are various videos online of him sort of showing you around the studio and he'll do things like he'll play the intro to um strawberry fields because that was on the mellotron so it sort of reminded me of that but yeah i believe that's what it is um and yeah i'm it's sort of intriguing i wonder what is on there really because it's i mean it's recorded in his studio in scotland i believe um yeah and yeah i know we've talked about this before but i'm not sure on the podcast i know there was a thing he used to say to john lennon in the 60s um about doing an album called paul mccartney goes too far he had yeah. this idea of doing that and john was like yeah you should do that and he's like no i'll just do it for myself but if that was an album that he released i think this is the sort of thing that would be on it and yeah if they if he just put this stuff on mccartney too you know and mm. removed the infamous frozen jap which yes <laughs> Which is like a swear jar now. Every time we mention it, we have to put you know a pound coin in the jar. Um, <laughs> we'll just but, bleep
1: it out from now yeah, on.
0: <laughs> exactly. We set up some kind of filter so it cuts it out. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I think this is a, one of I don't know. Is it, this is one of the songs you might play to someone who doesn't know Paul McCartney stuff to say, mm. look, you don't quite know what he does. Um, yeah, and funny enough. Um, because as well as working with the am One Half of a Double Act, Doggett and Grave, and we filmed a sketch show, um, I think it's 2012, something like that, called Doggett and Grave's Comedy Shorts. And the music we used for that sketch show, which went all the way through it, was this. Um, mm. And if I was to do a series, I would use that, because it really set the atmosphere of the thing. It really yeah. sort of, it's just sort of cool and relaxed and knows what it's doing. It sort of takes you into the world. And so many people asked me when they'd seen it, what was that song who was that person one of whom is someone who is quite negative on Paul McCartney I was like ah it's Paul McCartney yeah (laughs) there you go but yeah I think it's great and and another thing I I read and sort of predates the gorillas as well it's got that sort of feel as well yeah Um, or talking heads you know it's got all those sort of things going on so yeah and it's even got a sample from uh tweet zoo everyone everyone's (laughs) favorite Merry Melodies cartoon what can you say
1: yeah, I just think you can really feel how at home he was experimenting in this way. And I think you're right when you said it would be at home on the kind of fireman stuff, or maybe not on those collaborations, but it certainly paved the way for that. And you don't yeah. really see him that free again until um, until then, really, until yeah, doing yeah. that stuff, I think.
0: Which is like a good 17 years later or yeah. something. And I guess it's that thing, He, you know, he he was clearly getting a bit bored with Wings by this point and probably bored with sort of, I wonder if even he was like at the sort of point like he was with the Beatles or the other Beatles were with touring, you know, because he'd done quite a lot of touring in the 70s. He'd done a lot of bedding in a new band and maybe like the last Wings lineup for him was one too many is the sort of impression I get. Mm. Um, and this is, like, finding enjoyment again in music. I mean, that's not to say that he doesn't enjoy all the other stuff he does, but it's one of those things, you know, he talks about, like, um, it's not really a job, it's a hobby, and this evidently shows that, you know, even when he's not officially working, he's still, you know, messing around for his own enjoyment and coming up with something yeah. like this, which is which is just great, you know. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to hear more of this sort of stuff, really.
1: Yeah, and I think, yeah, he could really get away with, experimenting like that now thinking of using those sort of vocal filters and yeah you know e- exploring just that higher voice and i don't know if he's i don't is his voice sped up in this one i'm not sure if it is in this one i know i'm he not sure if in, it is it other sort of one.
0: sounds like it might not be but um yeah i'm not yeah. entirely
1: sure we will discuss one in a little bit that uh, yes. that he uses that effect but yeah he could sort of he could get away with that now you know with, with the way his yeah. voice has become like you said uh, i think in the last episode another instrument almost yeah, yeah. in how he uses it differently and yeah, yeah it would be nice to see him doing something else like this yeah you know? definitely
0: I, I suppose we sort of got there a little bit well the fireman particularly mm. mccartney three there's definitely a sort of and egypt station as well there's sort of a looseness again but yeah, I, I'd really. It's funny enough, like when he did the Electric Proms um, at, at the Roundhouse, um, which is you know this is if people aren't familiar with it, it's, it used to be a BBC sort of um, sponsored festival in Camden. And the whole idea of that, when you're on that, is to do something a bit different. Um, and, and I was lucky enough to have tickets for it, and it was great to see him at the Roundhouse. But I really hoped he would do something mm. experimental, and so you know something like this would have been would have been great, you know, because. And again, I don't know if you've seen that the thing I mentioned about the chaos and creation Abbey Road, the thing there, but a lot of that sort of show that he did is demonstrating how he uses the recording equipment and mm. how how he recorded, for example, the band on the run radio four the little teaser thing he did with like wine glasses and stuff, and yeah. it's interesting watching him do it and using those sort of old uh, machines to do it as well, um, and just well one see how effortless it is but just, just I don't know it's just nice to see him using it you know it's something he's done his whole life um yeah and and it shows and in fact when we mentioned the so- the other song that comes up um which is similar to this a little bit later um that as well was pretty much a sound check too so it shows you that when mm-hmm. he's not really trying and when he's not really um thinking about working he can really come out with good stuff I mean I can anyway but yeah it's it's good to hear I do I do I never tire of this one.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I think I'm in agreement with that one. And another song that I do not tire of is Calico Skies, which, David, I think you're going to talk about now.
0: I certainly am. I certainly am.
2: It was written that I would love you from the moment I opened my eyes. In the morning when I first saw you Gave me life under Gallico skies I will hold you For as long as you like I'll hold you For the rest of my life
0: I mean, this is like real sort of timeless Maca song, isn't it? Really, um, and again, it's sort of effortless, but uh, in a in a different way. You know, when I first heard this song, you know what it's like when you put a new album on and you're sort of settling into it and you don't quite know what it's going to be yet. This one, I mean, I can't remember the first time I heard it exactly, but it's just it's just a perfect song, really. He wrote it in 1991 recorded it in 92 and then released it in 97 so apparently he wrote it when he was on holiday in long island um and there was hurricane bob i believe it was and there was a That's power right, cut. Yeah. yeah and he just so for about a week with no power sort of inspired him to write some more songs and he wrote this one he wrote wine dark open sea apparently then as well uh, which is a song from off the ground um but yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about this before about him sitting on songs. But he recorded this one in '92 when he was making off the ground and decided, but well, it doesn't really fit with the style of that. And then sat on it to 1997, which is crazy because again, <laughs> if this song had been on that album, it would have really changed the album, I think. Mm. But then, having said that, it does really fit on um, Flaming Pie. Um, it does. It's just a really beautiful love song. And it's one that obviously means a lot to him because he's sort of revisited it quite a lot. Um, He does it live quite a lot as well, um, but in a full band version, I'm sure you've probably heard. Which I like. And it becomes a bit sort of quasi sort of Irish folk song, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But then I was listening to it um, today and he actually is even doing a bit of an Irish accent and you start going oh <laughs> come on Paul you've sort of been a bit pastichey now you know this yeah. this song is better than this you know you don't mm. have to signpost it It's a really beautiful song. The only sort of maybe issue I have with it slightly, and I'm really sort of nitpicking now, is the song for the first two verses is like a love song. And then the last (laughs) verse, I mean, I think he said it himself. He says, a gentle love song that becomes a 60s protest song. And that last, you know, uh, long live all those crazy soldiers who were born under Calico skies. May we never be called to handle the weapons of war we despise. And it's like, yeah, stylistically, it's perfect and it's great and it works. But... That does sort of jar with the rest of the song a bit, I think. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Well, funny enough, I have, <laughs> I've noted in my uh, notes here. <laughs> I like that about the about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. I like that it sort of starts like a typical Maca love song. Yeah, and then turns into almost like an anti-war protest yeah, yeah. song. You know, I quite like that about it because again, I think it's him. I mean, he. He hasn't shied away from doing the odd protest song. We'll, no. we'll get to that at some point, probably even a, an episode on its own. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he hasn't shied away from that. But I think this is almost, I won't say a Blackbird-esque song because it doesn't feel like a rip-off in any way no, other no. than its similarities is that it's finger picking on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. But it's good in that way. You know, it's a quality, maca, mm. acoustic ballad. Yeah. But him trying something different, I, I just putting that slant on it, I quite like that. Shows that a little bit of a not being afraid to try something out. I, I think it works for me. But I can see. I suppose I can see what you mean.
0: But and to be honest, I don't. I don't know that it doesn't work for me. It's probably more actually that in trying to in being over overly analytical, you start mm. when you're doing it for something like this. You're considering it as a thing to sort of analyze. And and also, if you're going to throw in something in the last verse an anti-war is a good thing to go for and I suppose in a way it sort of broadens the statement of the song doesn't it Mm. what's interesting about the song as well I think is you know it works as that Irish folk song also there's a version on his album Working Classical um, which is the thing that came out in 99 I think it was and I I believe most of the music from that basically came from the uh, tribute they had for Linda and for the service for Linda after she passed away and they had a string octet that's the correct term isn't it you would say octet Mm. that played various songs that were basically he related to Linda so there was calico skies there was my love maybe I'm amazed um, warm and beautiful and most of those songs are on that album but when the string version of this then starts to sound a bit sort of medieval and a bit sort of Elizabethan styley thing and I believe he also talked about you know the idea he could sort of picture himself like a troubadour or something just you know yeah. singing this in, in another uh, generation or whatever. It's got a real timeless quality to it. And for the guy who wrote Blackbird in, you know, 68 to come out with this in 91, you know, it's yeah. it's one of those moments when the inspiration absolutely kicks in. You go, yeah, that's Paul McCartney. Mm. That's that guy still able to do it. Uh, again, it's another song that is really heavily tied, I think, to what was happening with Linda at the time, certainly as a, a listener. And again, if you look at that film um, In the Air Tonight, which I mentioned in the last episode, I think, uh, which is directed by jeff dunbar it's the beatles anthology director there's footage in that of paul singing this song in the mm. studio with linda sat next to him um mm. and also then it sort of cuts i think to him by a, a bonfire as well um uh, that he's made i don't know if it's retrospect or what but you knew that linda wasn't well then and mm. i think the combination of it and you know i'll hold you for as long as you like i'll hold you for the rest of my life you know it's such a big uh, statement Um, That you can't help but hear it as a song for Linda, you know, and Mm. for the the love they have for each other. I think it's really fantastic writing at the end where I'll hold you for as long as you like. I'll love you for the rest of my for the rest of my life. When just that last line of the last uh, Mm. chorus or whatever it is, that's so, so good. Mm. You know, just a a simple bit of arrangement like that that really makes the statement very powerful. Um, Yeah, that just sounds like a song for Linda to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and also agree with the what you've just said about the simplicity of it lyrically. there's nothing contrived in it. It's not trying to be no. anything. It just is heartfelt. And I love the verse. Um, it was written that I would love you from the moment I opened my
0: eyes. What a line! The,
1: yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> What's a line?
1: It's just yeah. Give. I say this about so many of his ballads that just hit home but they just yeah when he gets it right it's just goosebumps upon goosebumps throughout absolutely and it does feel you're right it feels it does feel like a mournful song so it's hard not to put that context on it particularly as you said retrospectively you know what was happening at the time and it, mm. it it's hard not to make those associations
0: well, i think as well there are some interviews there's one particular with paul after linda passed away and he said you know there obviously came a point when he knew that she wasn't going to get better and i believe she hadn't wanted to know so much and so i guess because the song is very positive and very loving it 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 sort of reminds me of probably what he was being like you know and that sort of being strong and being you know Mm
2: -hmm.
0: while obviously considering the fact that he might lose her the person that he you know been together with for so long and have been you know They only spent 10 nights apart and that was when he was in Japan in prison. Um, So, you know, and that's not bad going. And I suppose at that point, because when Flaming Pie came out, I think, you know, she'd been ill and people knew she'd had cancer and that she'd Mm. uh, been treated. But I guess you couldn't help... There's a number of songs like this. uh, Little Willow's another one where there's just this sort of sense... Some Days is another one where it's Mm -hmm. a real sort of... There's a sense that things are not all happy in the Maka camp in terms of this threat of this thing that was happening Mm. but then at the same time to have written a song which is essentially for linda right at the end of their time together and still come out with something like this you know Mm. i mean it's it's one hell of a tribute um and that line you know when you said it i i sort of forgot you know because you you know what it's like you said but it was Mm. written i will love you from the moment i open my eyes that's such a you you don't really need to write anymore after that do you You put the pad (laughs) down you know And, and again people who say that he's insincere this yeah. is the perfect example of this song, even what I said about the sort of anti war thing. Um, it's very sincere, it's very it's like sounds like one of those songs that just kinda of wrote itself. It just mm. it, it just sounds complete. It's a it's a complete song, you know.
1: Yeah, because this was this wasn't a single, was it?
0: No, no, no.
1: I mean I love flaming pie for the most part. I, you know, yeah. the whole album it has got that that vibe, isn't it? That yes. reflective. Yeah, almost mournful, um, throughout and Mm. Yeah, this is a high point on that album for me. Maybe that's why people are saying he's insincere. They need to hear more songs like this. This is definitely a song I think you would play to someone. Oh, absolutely. You know, to show (laughs) this is what he can do.
0: (laughs) It's not just a high point on the album. It's a high point in his career, this song. definitely, And and that's including the Beatles stuff. Mm. And yeah, like you say, this is a good example for the people who say, oh, you know, he's not done anything for years. or you know, this sort of idea, this is a perfect example. And in a way, it's a shame that more people don't know it mm. because probably beyond the real Macca fans, you know, it's not that well known, really, mm. which is a shame. But then I, I also I don't know if you ever thought about this, but I wonder what it would be like in years to come, like when he's long gone and we're, we're all gone, how his entire career will be seen, whether mm. it will always be that sort of Beatles and then him or will the lines sort of blur? You know, will it just be this guy who wrote all these things? I don't know, you know. It's interesting to think how it will all be regarded in the future.
1: Yeah, I think... I don't know, if you think about... I mean, obviously, we're still here now, so we're still kind of doing it to a degree, but just in the way that, like we've mentioned before, John Lennon, when he was shot, when he had his life cut short, tragically... He was kind of out of the public eye, really. He wasn't in the the flavour of the month anymore. He was kind of, you know, he was in semi-retirement even, wasn't he? Mm. It kind of hadn't been doing very much. And yet in the wake of his death, so many of his albums and his work. And and it was all of it. I don't think it was just Mm. the Beatles. So I think it'll get, it'll be revitalised and people will listen to it with sort of fresh ears.
0: Yeah well it's the thing we've often said about people not celebrating people until they're gone that's when people Mm. suddenly realize the sort of value that they give and I I guess with John because he has Imagine as well as the song that is very much associated with him I I wonder what the Paul song is I mean you might say maybe I'm amazed but you know Mm. I guess time will tell but will will there be you know certain key songs that will be the ones that are him, you know, mm. but yeah, I mean, this is—it's just such a lovely song, and it's—it's it's one you never tire of. And the idea of him, you know, in, in a power cut, you know, writing <laughs> this song—it's just a very sort of romantic, beautiful yeah. sort of thought. I've noticed. as Well, he said a lot. A lot of the songs he tends to write are when he's on holiday, which is interesting. Yeah. So again, it sort of comes with that um, thing of not seeing it as work. You know, yeah. just that's when he decides to write things, which is interesting. The guard interesting.
1: is down, and yeah. Yeah,
0: but you think if anything he might be wanting a break, but you know that's when he <laughs> writes his stuff. Is it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Oh, and the thing we haven't mentioned, of course, is that it's produced by George Martin. Yeah, um, and recorded on the same on the same day in the same session as "Great Day" and "When Winter Comes," which is the song that didn't appear until McCartney Three in twenty twenty. So that was a successful day, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> recording.
1: <laughs> it's nice to hear reading up on it and seeing that they collaborated again, uh, Macca and George Martin. It, it's nice because you sort of think, as you're listening back, yeah, yeah, is that some of the added magic? There's just something yeah. that clicks
0: with them. It's the thing we said about A uh, Beautiful Night in the other episode about, mm. you know, you've got Ringo, you've got George Martin did the score, you've got Lynne, yeah. you've got Linda. And I think particularly because Paul and George Martin worked very heavily together in The Beatles, didn't they? Sort of mm. more so than John ever did or or George ever did they would actually Paul would sit there with George Martin as they came up with the scores so they were obviously you know they know what to do with each other and I I like the idea as well of like Paul turning up and playing a new song to George Martin and I like (laughs) that as well I believe it said you know they said when he did the score for some days George Martin remarked that's a a great song there Paul he must also still find it kind of remarkable that Paul would write all this wonderful stuff but yeah Mm. just such a great team weren't they really
1: And I think, you know, you've played in bands before, you've collaborated with other songwriters and myself as well. And when it works, Mm. when it works well, and when that sort of, when you are a team, like one unit, it's just easy isn't it easy and effortless
0: yeah it's one of those things you can't fake that it just Mm. it just has to be the right people and i guess the beatles were the perfect example of that because you know it's the nice thing that paul says quite a lot recently you know they're four corners of a square i mean he said a circle then (laughs) i don't know my (laughs) shapes but you know the the square falls in if you lose any of them Mm. when you don't have to explain things to each other when you you know musical shorthand you just yeah it's this it's a thing to be envied and And I I guess that's the thing that Paul, to a greater degree, sort of lost as he went Mm. into the 70s because Wings came and went. And OK, he had Denny and he had Linda. But I guess when you've been associated with something so big, you know, unless you're working with people who are of the same ilk, there's always going to be that sense of, well, he's Paul McCartney over there and we're the band. So, Mm. yeah, I guess with people like George Martin, those are the kind of people where they did sort of grow up together. So they aren't overawed by each other they're in the same way yeah. you know and yeah. i guess it's it must be nice for that the funny thing about george martin i, I don't know the, the facts off the top of my head but again actually how young he was i I'm, i you know i think he was only sort of in his 30s when they were producing with the beatles yeah. so you know you sort of picture him as being much older um but he yeah. wasn't really that much older you know i guess it's the posh accent helps yeah <laughs> but yeah calico sky is great one lovely song And now for something completely different, (laughs) Uh, cut me some slack.
1: I wasn't as familiar with this one, to be honest. Out of all the ones that we've covered so far, yeah, I really had to do my homework on this in the beginning. So I'd known that there was history there. I'd known that uh, Dave Grohl was obviously a, a big um, Macca fan, and that they'd sort of collaborated before. I think um, it just for fun, he'd desk Paul McCartney to drum on one of his <laughs> one of his yeah. songs, you know, just for fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think. And did Macca say like, but? But aren't you a drummer? Yes. <laughs> Why do you want me? And it's like yeah, yeah. Well because you're Paul McCartney. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And also, I mean Dave Grohl, I think it's fair to say, is a is a fucking good drummer. <laughs> so mm. but then he's very positive about Paul's drumming. I know he says it's like yeah. a very distinctive sound, which he described it as sort of almost losing control of it. I think it was something like that, but but managing to sort of hold it together. I sort of know what he means. Yeah. You can tell Paul really enjoys playing the drums, which yeah. is which is a nice thing. Like he doesn't enjoy the rest of it. I think he just enjoys playing, really. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, so cut me some slack. Macca has described himself as he got asked to contribute to this song for Dave Grohl's film, a two thousand and twelve film called Sound City. Yeah. And according to Dave Grohl, it was just he invited Paul McCartney in for a jam, as you do. <laughs> You've said <laughs> yourself previously, imagine having those kind of phone numbers in your I know, exactly <laughs> in your mobile. Yeah. And, yeah, and this, this song kind of came out of it. It was like a three-hour jam. And then by the end of it, they'd written this. I say they, it was Dave Grohl, Paul McCartney and the remaining members of Nirvana. So yeah. I think that was the the moment that Maca said, oh, it dawned on me that I'm in the middle of a Nirvana <laughs> reunion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Minus Kurt Cobain, obviously.
0: <laughs> as, as if his life wasn't surreal enough. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> exactly. And suddenly he's in Nirvana, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, imagine that, just coming up with a track like that out of a jam. No, I know. And yeah. that is just very jammy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Pardon
1: the pun. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and I like the song, and I like the fact that it sounds like a Nirvana song. It's grungy, it's hard, but it also sound it doesn't sound out of place with Macca doing it. His vocals, no. particularly on the... There's that charity event, I think it was for New York Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, yeah. I think the event was called like 121212 12, 12 or something, yeah. which was a, a charity concert in like December 2012. Yeah. And that is where I've been listening to it most while doing the research for this. You know, he's there on the little box guitar, which is cool. <laughs> yes. You've got Dave Grohl, Rest of Nirvana there. Hmm. cool <laughs> yeah yeah. and then he just you know there's that moment isn't there with maca where you slightly be concerned i think you alluded <laughs> to this last time like yeah yeah where's this going to go now are you going to be doing finger pointing and yeah, dad yeah. dancing and how? Uh, yeah. oh, how is this going to go and actually Wait, he so. really really <laughs> <put it laughs> yeah. Up. yeah his voice is you know i'm thinking it's like 2012 so he's getting into later day vocals slightly
0: put this into perspective he was 70 when he recorded this you know he's like that's that's you know that's like a granddad And here he is doing some sort of helter-skelter for the new millennium. Yeah. Because there was a lot – I I know, like, prior to this, there were some rumours going around that he'd he'd done something with the members Mm. of Nirvana. And then instantly, obviously, you get the sort of the anti-Paul Brigade going, oh, here we go. And, like, again, the idea, like, he'd, like, enforced himself on them. Like, he phoned them up and said, hey, do you want to, you know, want to reform Nirvana? You know, like, he would do that. It's like, no, they asked him, (laughs) you know. But, um, yeah, like you, the, I mean, the first time I actually saw the song was in that concert for Sandy thing, and it was just brilliant. Also, I like as well, because sometimes with, like, the gigs he does more recently, he sort of dresses a bit Beatlesy. You know, he tends to start with, like, a jacket on. But mm. in that concert for Sandy, he's just, like, wearing jeans and a white shirt or something. Yeah, yeah, But he looks, as I've often seen, like, in him in soundtracks, he looks a lot cooler when he's just, you know, not trying, when he's just being himself yeah. again. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, he really, really nails it. And it's very, very cool. And the combination of him sh- uh, screaming and Dave Grohl screaming and Grohl being such a great performer, drummer yeah. that he is. Yeah, it's really, really very cool. I, I prefer the live version to I the do. actual recording. Yeah, I, th- I think the sort of basicness of the lyrics is a bit more obvious in the studio version. Mm. Um, but that's not to say that it isn't still great. And there's that bit, I don't know if you've seen uh, in the film, where they're doing the backing vocals for it. I, mm. I'm sort of paraphrasing it. And uh, it's, I think it's Dave Grohl and it's Macker on the mic. And and Dave Grohl says, oh, I wish it was always this easy. And then Paul goes, yeah. what, it, what it is, you know. And yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, you're Paul <laughs> McCartney, aren't you? For God's <laughs> sake. And also it was produced by Butch Vig, who's the Nirvana producer as well. I believe producer Nevermind. I think that's right. I sound like someone's dad now. I sort of vaguely know the facts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it when he does stuff like this. And and I think maybe he was freed up a bit as well by the fact because he'd started doing Helter Skelter live a few years prior to, to that, which is another mm. one of those things where I think the first time he did it was um, Glastonbury. And you've got yeah. that moment when it starts of like, is he going to pull this off? And mm. then he really, really does pull it off. And yeah. I find even like more recently as well, um, as his voice has got a bit more tired, strangely with the rock stuff the belty stuff he can still do it every time which is
1: i I find that fascinating
0: yeah i guess it's that thing of well i don't know really i suppose you know it's understandable that the sort the more sort of gentle softer stuff might start to go
1: show the wear and tear yeah
0: but this is a kind of person who's you know spent his entire life just belting this stuff out Mm. and has always really pretty much been able to do it but it's yeah it's it's very cool I, i like it when paul rocks out for all the naysayers who thought that it wouldn't be good it was it was really great it wasn't one of those moments where you go oh god what are you doing paul
1: no not at all and it got to in canada it got to 27 right. and in poland 28 now you know if you think <laughs> yeah they weren't well maca and nirvana i'm guessing they weren't trending at the time there wasn't no. a resurgence of you know it wasn't like no. a, a never mind <laughs> anniversary or anything so you know no. for it to do that well i mean god i'd love to have number 28 in poland to be number
0: 28 in poland that's that's (laughs) that's a personal ambition (laughs) and also it won a grammy for best rock song Mm. so um yeah for a thing that was just essentially just supposed to be a jam um Mm. it's it's really really cool and you can tell as well when you watch them live and the other members chris Novoselic and pat smear they're all really loving doing it so there's no sense like i say of like they know Paul's cool. I mean, of course yeah. he is. You know why? I don't know why people question this. It's like you know he did sing "Helter Skelter" for God's sake. This man was yeah. one of the one of the songwriting Beatles. Of course he can do it. But it. But yeah, seventy years old. I think that's <laughs> quite impressive, really.
1: Yeah, and the, and I think you mentioned "Helter Skelter" there. I think mm. the bassist um Chris Novoselic tweeted that in his opinion it was a. a, a sort of almost a pure mix of Helter Skelter meets I don't know mm. if you're familiar with Nirvana's song Scentless Apprentice
0: I don't know that one actually no
1: but it's, <laughs> it's quite heavy <laughs> right um I was a I was big into Nirvana during right. that sort of grunge phase so but yeah I can kind of hear that and because if you think of Helter Skelter even and god what a track mm. but that is heavy metal you know And you think yes. of when was
0: that released 68 Six, yeah 68 so, yeah. and also it's the vocal is manic it's absolutely yeah. manic if you if you hear like <laughs> and you can hear it on youtube like the isolated voice mm. like the lookout to it. i can't even do it you're coming too yeah. you fast all that stuff you know yeah. and the manic the sort of manic laughter and everything it's really full-on and that sort of ish invented heavy metal to a degree you know Mm. but it's very impressive that you know what he would have been 26 or 27 or something then and he's still still able to do it at 70 and beyond (laughs) you know he's 80 in two years so yeah so if you were a nirvana fan it didn't bother you then the seeing them together
1: no gosh no not at all
0: Silly question, really, because I know you. I know you're a Macca fan as well. So like, yeah, no, yeah. I
1: think and <laughs> wherever Kurt Cobain may be, I think he would be appreciating it as well. You know, I mean, it's Paul McCartney and Nirvana.
0: Even you know, being those people who were in that band, and obviously you know the Foo Fighters, how well they've done. You can't help but must be like, and there we are, and there's Macca there, there's Paul McCartney mm. there. You know, it's such a such a surreal thing. I like how friendly him and Dave Grohl clearly are. Yeah. Um, and I believe when Dave Grohl broke his leg, you know, when he jumped off the stage or whatever it was and broke his <laughs> leg, and then he had this um, big throne made for him that he could sit on for the other gigs he did. He, I believe he texted Maka to ask for advice because he was in the UK for a doctor, and Maka put, right. put him on to a, a doctor as well. So he gives, he gives medical advice as well, which is good to know.
1: <laughs> so, shall we move on?
0: I think we should move on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, next step. So, jumping back now to. 1993, although I actually believe the song was written before then. We've got Come On People.
2: Well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to get it right this time. We're going to, really going to raise it to the sky.
0: Yeah, now this song, um, it's a funny one because quite a lot of people don't really like it. But for me, because, and I've always talked about this before, but the first time I saw Paul McCartney live was when he did the New World Tour, which was around the time of the Off the Ground album and around the time this song comes out. And I realised I worked it out earlier, I think I wrote it down. I was 12 when I went to see him (laughs) for the first time. But yeah, Common People, um, it was, as I say, it was on Off the Ground. Uh, It was written again on holiday in Jamaica in 1991. Um, So he obviously likes writing on holiday. And it's one of those songs, I mean, they talk about with the recording. So this was with this sort of first sort of touring band after Wings. Um, so this essentially the same band that were on Flowers in the Dirt, albeit the drummer changed. So Paul Wicks Wiggins, uh, who's still with him now doing keys. Hamus Stewart is from the Average White Band. Uh, Robbie McIntosh, Linda and Blair Cunningham. Um, and there's an interview I read uh, with Blair Cunningham, who's the drummer, talking about they were sort of, it was a Friday um, and there'd been some problem with the equipment, apparently, um, so they knew they were going to get sort of an early weekend off. And Paul said, let's just do one take of this song, Come On People, just to sort of mark it out, and then we'll come back to it on Monday and look at it again. And then they sort of got called into the, the control room, and they said, you've got to listen to this, and they played it back, and essentially it was just this this rehearsal take, and it was what became the record. It's the, the one that the, you know that they released. And Blair Cunningham said, basically, because my mind was already on sort of going home and stuff, I wasn't really thinking about the playing. So I sort of didn't really play like myself. Um, mm. And it comes across in the record. For me, um, this song, it's sort of reminiscent of Only Love Remains. The verse has a similar sort of piano thing going on. I know that like Off the Ground is sort of generally regarded by the fans as maybe being a bit dull. And this song also gets sort of roped into that but for me i mean it's very beatlesy it's very again the sort of peace and love thing the sort of statement beatles mm. and particularly i think the the bridge the oh yeah bridge that comes in could be john i just think it sounds so like john that do 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 oh yeah um yeah. you know it really does sound like john and I, I really like this one. It also has a very good video. I don't know if you've seen the video for this. I have, yeah. yeah which yeah. is um, directed by um, a guy from 10CC, Kevin Godley, where I, I don't really know why they're doing it. But there's, there's Paul at the piano while it's essentially deconstructed and then yeah. reconstructed again. And they've done it on a sort of time lapse thing. So Paul's at normal speed and that's happening. And it's really effective. I mean mm. why they're doing that I don't really know. <laughs> you know, it's like all they did was take it apart and put it back again. They didn't need to do that. They've not moved it anywhere. Why <laughs> why why do it? But um I don't know, it works really well and it works with the song. And it got to number 41 in the UK. So um mm. didn't chart in the US um but sod them. And he recorded a version for Top of the Pops as well. Um I I sense you may be less keen on this one. I'm not I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit torn on this one.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm digging the mellow vibes. I can sort of feel the, not Jamaican influence, but I can <laughs> I can tell he was chilled out. He was on holiday. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that comes over. I like that. And I like the verses, this little bit of simple piano. I like that little bassy bit, dum-dum-dum, you know, yes. where he's just coming Leap in with the, the vocal. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That kind of, and those verses make me feel... Like it's going somewhere yeah. interesting. And then I just feel it falls a bit flat on the chorus for me. I just feel like it doesn't quite deliver. Yeah, I know you mean. I've got all excited in the verses. I'm, I'm waiting for sort of a big moment. And it just feels a little bit, I don't know, dare I say, boring in the chorus. But I do yeah. love, you've mentioned the um, the oh yeahs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Which I love. That sort of brings it back up for me. I, I mm. really love that kind of like musical yeah, yeah. interlude bit almost. And it's got a bit of um, George Martin yes, orchestration. It was like overdubbed, wasn't it, afterwards? That's right. Yeah, which yeah. I like. like. As we've said before, it's got all the ingredients and there are elements of it I really like. Yeah. I wonder if it's made a little bit worse for me the fact that I find the lyrics a little bit contrived.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah.
1: yeah, like you know, come on, people, let the world begin. We've got a future, and it's charging in. I don't know. It just feels a bit like this is my pep talk, pat on the back type of song. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I think he sort of, to be honest, when he tries to write statement songs, he struggles a little bit sometimes. I think you mm-hmm. know, it, it, for or like the protesty songs that like we said before, because off the ground is very much. He was on the the ecological sort of kick at this point and with the concert as well, um, because it started with a a big film, which sort of uh, leads from like, you know, early days in Liverpool right the way through and into the Beatles and then into Wings. And then it had a big section, an animal rights section where they um, Mm. could, because I think Peter was connected with that tour Um, and sort of, you know, you saw shots of um, whales being hunted and all this sort of terrible stuff that was going on. Um, So he was very much in that kick maybe he's sort of like yeah like you say with the verse with the the bridge it's really good it's that really good simplistic like i say with the, it's like the verse of only love remains it's just a sort of piano doing yeah. a sort of um you know augmented chord or whatever it is but he'd sort of made the statement he already wanted to make, maybe in the verse, and then there was nowhere to really go. Um, yeah. Because I, I picture it in, in the tour, and if you've seen the live footage of it, it was really, really good what they did for this song. And also because this, the set I was reading was the biggest live set of any tour at this point. They had, like, big sort of oil paintings and stuff and and screens they project. But they had a load of um, black and white photos that Linda had taken of, yeah. like, iconic people in the 60s, so B.B. King... Uh, Lennon and McCartney are there Jimi Hendrix and so they're talking about the idea of come on people it had a really good sort of image you know just showing all these different people so I
1: have seen that yeah I think you've showed me that before yeah
0: probably yeah sounds like me (laughs) Um, and then at the very end of it it ended with just the two pictures of John and Paul either side Mm. so and for me I guess again the kid inside although I was actually a kid at this point you know this was the first time I'd seen him I was a big Beatles fan and there I was seeing a Beatle and he was sort of <laughs> doing what sounds like a Beatles sort of Beatles, statement song yeah. yeah and something about weirdly in even in that sort of gig it was moments like this where I became more connected with the fact yeah that's the Beatle rather than yeah. when he was playing drive my car or whatever it was um, yeah. because I don't know, I don't know what it is really it's just that you know all the sort of shades of Beatles-esque about it you can tell it's the same writer and so it might just be that for me because it's the first Paul album I sort of bought at the time it came out it's the first time I saw him perhaps I romanticize it a little bit more than the actual song is I I do sort of know what you mean the chorus it's sort of treading water I think and then it goes back to the good musicality parts of it and I do really like the video as I say yeah, so maybe that's it. I do like the,
1: you know, I've sort of, I think we've both said in the past he can do that, that lazy rhyme syndrome. In, in the verse of this um, song, second verse... I quite like the simplicity of and the mm. obviousness of the rhyme because it feels a bit wordplay play, So the bit that it says, um, while I'm trying to, yeah, I'm crying to lay it on the line, while I'm yeah. trying to really die into to get it right this time. Yeah. I quite like that. I like what he's doing there. He's messing with the words. He's, he's picking an, an obvious rhyme. Things like that is a nice touch.
0: It's a bit like uh, I always yeah no sometimes think it's me it's a bit like um uh, strawberry fields that sort of thinking the thought through but the important statement is get it right this time or lay on the line or whatever Mm. so yeah it's got that slight sort of air of thinking as you're singing which i which i quite like i really like the sort of the chord and and the the, and when he goes up the octave in it in the verse it really does a lot with very little which which I, i i really really like but I, I sort of know what you mean. And I guess it's that try Maybe he had that verse and, and then he realised he was writing a statement song and then it didn't really yeah. sort of pa- pan out that way.
1: I mean, vocally, it's bang on. It's another, yeah. Yeah, yeah, flawless vocal. I love it vocally. Absolutely. I wouldn't skip it. It's not one no. that I would skip.
0: It's quite hard to. It's, it's, the, it's the last song. Of <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you just, <laughs> oh, I've gone to the end. Oh. <laughs> But But, uh,
1: I do probably, yeah, I probably sing along to the verses and then just stop in the chorus, wait for it to get back into the verse and little bridge (laughs) a bit.
0: (laughs) But and actually, the other thing, when I listen to it again, another one it reminded me of a bit is Let Them In. It's got that sort of, because you've got the the sort of military snare thing going on. Also, it's the sort of just holding two notes on the piano with the, you know, the bass, it's got that same sort of feeling as Let Them In, um, which I hadn't really noticed before. Yeah, I, I guess like a lot of Off the Ground, it's kind of just a bit middling. It, it's fine, but it's a bit. I mean, I, I sort of prefer Off the Ground to Flowers in the Dirt in many ways, just because I think the production's a bit better, maybe a yeah. bit simpler.
1: I think I agree with you on that one. I prefer it slightly.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: which is, I think, controversial because so many people. I, n- I never really understand, other than the sort of Elvis Costello thing about Flowers in the Dirt. Mm. I guess it was a comeback thing. I guess that was probably why. And it was yeah. the first time we'd been playing live. But yeah, no, I, th- I sort of think this is a better album, but I can see why you're not so sure.
1: So I'm forgiven.
0: You're forgiven, <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of agree with you. Um, and also, it's remembering not to just be, I don't know, blindly positive about everything, isn't it, really? Yeah. We're, doing, we're being analytical. <laughs> and then the next one is practically the same title, but um, with some letters missing. So from Come On People to "See Moon.
2: Check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Was that the intro I shoulda been in? Oh, bubble ball and hell. Oh. Sea moon, sea Is she sea moon, sea moon?
1: Actually picked up on that, but
0: yeah, sea, sea Moon people,
1: yeah, yeah. In fact, quite a few of the songs in this little uh, lineup are very
0: basically the same title. Yeah, same yeah.
1: title. <laughs> so Sea Moon is one that I really, really liked.
0: I thought you were going to say de- detest. I was waiting. No, for it. No, so I'm, I... I'm still waiting for the, the the problem song. So I was like, <gasps> oh god, what's she going to say? But no,
1: no, okay. I really, really liked it on right. first hearing it. In fact, I think I first. Discovered Sea Moon while listening to the Take It Away podcast, and when they discussed it on there, so I don't like it as much. I don't know if that's just because I've I've listened to it quite a lot. I think I liked it for its silliness, and then I don't know the novelty wore off <laughs> after a few <laughs> listens, as it often does. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's another one that that Linda had a writing credit on as well.
0: It's quite surprising, actually. I, I, one thing I've noticed is how many. I wasn't really aware were Paul and Linda credits. But yeah, keep she had a up. credit. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was a double A side with High, High, High in 1972. What I thought was interesting, which I didn't realize until doing this research, is that it actually got more of the airplay.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, particularly in the in the UK, because High, High, High had been banned by the BBC. So yes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That ended up. It reached uh, number five in the UK singles charts, but didn't yeah. actually get much airtime, or if if any, in the US. Sea Moon. No. Which just, just nuts. If you think about the kind of music they play today, yes. where you, I mean, I'm going to sound ancient now, but my daughter <laughs> likes listening to Capital and it feels like every other song, the song is bleeped out. Or, you know, yeah. there's just a <laughs> moment of silence because there's so much swearing in it. You yeah, know, yeah. Why didn't they just do that? Just get rid of the high, high, highs.
0: <laughs> I know. And also, I believe it was because they thought the lyric was get you ready for my body gun which is oh. Polygon, apparently. So that was the main reason. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just actually the people listening to it, the censors were far too filthy, because actually that was it. it wasn't that bad. But there
1: you go. And yet when they play um, Motorcycle Emptiness by the Manic Street Preachers, they don't yep. leap out where he says political shit, because <laughs> a lot of James Dean Bradfield's vocals are indecipherable, so he actually uh-huh. says political shade. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, yeah, got through the sensor there.
0: That's like Grease Lightning, isn't it? The amount of times they'll show Grease during the day and there's all kinds of swears going on. All kinds of swears. Yeah.
1: I almost pointed them out to my daughter when we were watching <laughs> Grease through lockdown and then I was Excellent. like, never mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wrong, wrong audience, mind. not for you.
1: Um. Anyway, back to Seamoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is a fun song. I found out today that the lyrics were inspired by a song called Wooly Bully yes which was by um Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs uh, that <laughs> that well Sam known Sham. band yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah i do know the song willy bully actually but you yeah do know I it. Okay. yeah yeah but I, it's, it's one of those sort of yeah maybe one hit things that i didn't know yeah. the have known the artist no
1: yeah so the the line um in willy bully there's the line Let's not be L7, which I'm guessing anyone listening to this podcast will know the reference, for L7 yep. meaning square, if you put the yep. L and the 7 together. And Maccabee and Maca went, well, what's, what's the opposite of uncool <laughs> <the> square? <Yeah. laughs> oh, <laughs> It's a circle. Oh, what's a circle? See, sea moon. I- kind of get where he's going there, quite like that That just random. It's almost yeah. like when you play that game, you know, that word association game and just see what random stuff you come out with.
0: And you have to bear I in mind, thought... he was smoking a lot of marijuana at this point. As well, yes, so, he was you know. very high,
1: <laughs> high, high <laughs> Yes, <at> that's <laughs> at the, point. Yeah, at yeah. the time of writing it. <laughs> and I think it's got that, because, of course, Linda was very big into reggae, wasn't she? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's got that, that reggae groove all the way through. I do like it. I like the instrumentation. I like the arrangement. It's fun. It's silly. Is it the best Macca song? Probably not. <laughs> but I listen to it now and I have a giggle. I did start questioning today, although I've looked through the credits and I cannot find any other backing vocals apart from Linda and Paul. Hmm. It sounds towards the end of the song where it comes back in as if there is a child well, singing along. Funny you should say that. And you know how I hate children
0: yes <laughs> I thought of you I thought of you when I heard that yeah
2: What's it all about?
0: So, apparently it's Heather and Mary McCartney um, oh, singing on it wow. I mean I always assumed it was just sped up because it sounded a bit to me like Paul but sped up but yeah. yeah so you, you did spot the kids they were there You were disgusted and you turned it off.
1: Yes, I mean, that's towards the end of the song. I've already, it's already grabbed me at that point. Yeah, yeah. There's no need for it though. (laughs) (laughs) There's no need to to do that to us.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's clearly one he really likes because he often sound checks for this song. And I was reading again on that fantastic website that we basically read out the Paul (laughs) uh, Paul McCartney Project. I say read it out, can't say the title. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently he's played this at 68 concerts and 175 soundchecks. So there we go. Wow. I, I feel sorry for the person who counted all that up. But yeah, he clearly really likes this one. And it's one of those songs for me, like I liked it, didn't dislike it, it was just sort of there. And then I learned the piano part and mm. I realised, oh, it's actually really, really fun to play. So I can, yeah. I can see. And it's that reggae sort of feel yeah, where the yeah. vocal goes against it. And do, do you know as well, have you read about how they all switched instruments for this song? No. Um, so the person playing the drums is uh, Henry McCulloch, who's the guitarist of Wings then, because right. he could play a sort of reggae beat. And then you've got Denny Sywell, who's the drummer, playing Cornet on it, and so is Paul. So they right. basically all swapped instruments just to get the feel of it, <laughs> which is, again, a bit insane, really, because you go, but surely that makes it, like, slightly inferior as a, as a performance. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't realise that till relatively recently. It was like an exercise, in, you know, all let's just all swap around and do something else. But it's a very sort of easy song you know it's just one of those ones that he can just sort of throw out there i also find it sort of amusing the how come no one older than me never seems to understand the things i want to do i sort of like the idea of that and now when you think of him he's like 78 yeah. you know and he would have been i don't know at this point <laughs> he was possibly just about 30 mm. you sort of forget he's one of the young guard at this point yeah. you know and these are those are the real adults so <laughs> Yeah it's sort of funny to hear that and I like the fact like the beginning is a false start which he actually missed the cue and then riffed his way into it you know anyone else would just stop (laughs) and you can hear as well he's sort of guiding the song through it he's like finish Mm. the song now he sings at one point so yeah it's like you say it's not the best uh Maka song um but it's a good sort of groove it's fun you know it's a it's a fun single it's it's very different to the other side of the single. It's very different yeah. to everything else he was doing with Wings at that point, really. But it's one he clearly just loves to play because it just always crops up. Yeah. I tell you what, I also like about, and I, I know, uh, take it away. The podcast said something along these lines as well. I think it's songs like this and Let Him In to a degree, and Dance Tonight when he does them live, where he sort of lets his hair down a bit and he's not mm. quite so precise. And it's the thing that, I mean, maybe not so much now because his voice has got a bit more wear and tear, as we've said. But I like that he always plays around with tunes, that he plays around with the melody, he does that sort of yeah. thing. And with this one, he'll be doing sort of quasi sort of um, Jamaican accents and stuff. He's yeah. just, he's just, <laughs> you know, possibly a bit racist to know. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's just sort of relaxed and enjoying the playing. it. And and again, I suppose it's a bit like what we said about Check My Machine. It's when he's just relaxed and doing it that you can hear the effortlessness of it, I think, really, you know, and mm. they pull off a sort of simple reggae sound quite well. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's a good sort of wings pot boiler, should we say?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is one I find myself humming around the house. You know, it's it's the, it's it's
0: the, the one that's been in my head all day.
1: Yeah, listening it gets to these stuck today. In there. Yeah. Dun, yeah, dun dun
0: dun. dun, dun, dun. So was that bit that gets. Yeah, yeah. But and
1: it's, it's on the surface, like the lyrics seem to be, oh, it's a it's a Paul story song, and then you realise that they're just. Nonsense, yeah. really. You know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, I'd never get to heaven if I filled my head with glue. What's it all to you? you know, it's yeah. just the the ramblings of a of a stoner <laughs> having fun <laughs> playing some reggae.
0: Basically, that's his entire career, isn't it? His entire yeah. solo career. The ramblings <laughs> of a stoner. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I I have ended my notes with least favorite part: children singing.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> just no. God, you must hate uh, inchworm then. It's kidtastic. <laughs> I, i've always had that thing where i'm like yeah i don't like kids singing but then i realized i spent a lot of my time teaching kids to sing doing singing yeah, <laughs> and so my, what am i doing to myself you know not only do we do a musical theater course you and i but we teach kids yeah. to sing we don't even like it
1: <laughs> i don't mind it when you know like michael jackson because he could sing you know oh, like when, yeah, when they yeah. when they can sing yeah. it just tends to be <laughs> unlike a lot of you know, songwriters will use it for that sort of little novelty yeah. factor that they sound a little bit cute mm. and off key, but I just don't, <laughs> hear, I don't hear the cute, I just, no, just hear, hear off the key. off key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: just irritating. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think the <laughs> only sort of good example I can think of is the uh, Pink Floyd one, uh, Brick and the mm. Wall, because they're a little bit sinister. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know completely what you mean.
1: It's like the film Lost Boys, where they go in. Thou shalt not yeah. kill, or whatever they're singing. That that works yeah. because it terrifies me. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, any horror film you see where they're like singing a you know a nursery rhyme, I oh. Yeah, that's just creepy.
1: Yeah, one, two, Freddy's coming for you, and, and that yeah, kind exactly. of thing. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something else now, so I don't get nightmares tonight.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> so we'll do another Come On song. Not Come On yep. people though. This time no. we're going to do Come On to me. That's not me asking you, David. No. That is the name of the song. <laughs> yes,
3: okay.
2: I saw you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted so much more than casual.
0: come on to me uh so we're coming pretty much bang up to date for us anyway at the moment this was out in 2018 it seemed to be a very horny year for paul because he had that and he had for you (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what was going on at this stage of his life yeah this song was uh, the first i heard of it was when he did um the carpool karaoke thing with the man who shall remain nameless we're not going to say his name in this this podcast because we're not going to glorify the man um but (laughs) I'm talking about James Corden, I've done it now. Um, but yeah, it featured on that because he did a gig at the Philharmonic pub in Liverpool, which is a pub that John used to drink in and they used to go to in the 60s. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, it's it's a very I've cool actually, pub.
1: Actually, I think but you've taken me, David. Did we go you in took, there? Yeah, yeah.
0: so it's the one where they have like the really flash urinals. I don't know if you people yeah, yeah. can go in and see them, yeah. Um <laughs> which sounds like a real, you know, if that's your selling point, you've got really great urinals here. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's a nice pub, Philharmonic Hall. It's opposite the Philly Hall, which is where Buddy Holly played when, in, mm. in Liverpool. But yeah, he did a gig there as part of the carpool karaoke thing where he went back to 4th and Road and did all that sort of stuff, which was quite interesting. Yeah, and I heard like a, you know some little bits of video people have put on YouTube, just people have been there with their phone, and I heard a little bit of this sort of song there. And I kind of liked it from the beginning. Um, It's less of a song, I think, more of a record. It's got that sort of, I don't know, you know, it's a groove thing again. Yeah. It could, in a way, be reminiscent of Check My Machine, but it's a bit more sort of rocky. Actually, one thing I do want to talk about in relation to this song, are are you familiar with Mrs. Mills' piano? That's the thing to say. No. What it is, this song, surprisingly for one that sounds quite simple, was actually recorded in three different studios. It was recorded in L.A. and uh, in his studio, Hog Hill, and at Abbey Road. And the reason I say that is because Mrs. Mills' piano is the piano that was used on Lady Madonna um, and on Mm. Penny Lane and with a lot of my friends. It's the sort of slightly jangly piano, which is an upright piano that they have at Abbey Road. It's also the same one that he played on The End of the End. Yeah, and so that crops up in this song, because it's got a very distinctive sound. But I just love the fact that it's the same piano. And I also love the fact that he chose to sing The End of the End, playing the same piano he played Lady Madonna on. I think that's such a really, yeah, yeah. you know, going back to home. It's that little bit of home. And also, apparently, I was finding, I was looking into this online, you can get Abbey Road to produce a sample of the Mrs. Mills piano. And there's a quote of what we guy kind of saying, now I've got the Mrs. Mills piano at home, I've got it on my computer. Mm. But yeah, so that's on this. And, I mean, it's it's kind of like a a pickup song, isn't it? It's got that sort of flirty... I know he talks about, you know, like back in the 60s, the sort of meeting people... I guess like how he met Linda in many ways. And I quite like... And I get... This is something I think the Take It Away boys talked about. I quite like the sort of formality of the lyrics. Like, Mm. can't be seen exchanging information. Or, you know, it's quite sort of um, formal but euphemistic. Um, And I think while it's, you know, it's more of a record than a song, Uh, it's not like a Calico Skies, which is definitely a Mm. song. This is more of a groove. But I think it's really well produced because the way it sort of builds, you start with the piano in the first verse. Then in the second verse, you've got what you might not notice straight away, the cellos that are playing Mm. the piano part. And then there's the harmonica that comes in as well. Then there's the brass stuff that comes in as well. It's uh, and it was produced by Greg Kirsten, who produced a lot of the um, Egypt Station stuff. And yeah, I think for a very simple song, it's really, really well produced. You know, and when the brass comes in, it's just really great because it's, yeah. it's something you've not. In fact, when he did the tour around this time, 2018, it was the first time, I think, since about 1979 that he toured with a brass section. Mm. And, you know, and I've always questioned the fact that someone like McCartney, who uses all the brass and strings that he does, tours with, and Wicks, Wickens is a great player, but with a guy playing all on the keyboard, you just go, yeah. this yeah. man can afford to do it properly. Properly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I know there's lots of sort of talk about him being quite tight. I know that's the sort of view of him <laughs> being quite tight, you know, about making money. But, yeah, I mean, it was so good hearing it with the brass section again. And if you look mm-hmm. at any of the gigs that he did around the time, like the one he did in Grand Central in New York and just the general ones around this, it's, it's made so much better for the brass section. You know, um, yeah, and they, they were playing on this, they were playing on um, Wings' song, Letting Go um, and all this other stuff. He's also got um, Tom Bones it, right, playing sax who uh, he's on all of the Blues Brothers stuff. Um, he's played on, like, sessions with everyone from like Tina Turner to um <laughs> just anyone that's good basically I didn't realize it was on this it's got electric sitar on it it's got everything going on it this one funny enough when I first heard this and I don't know which should we'll put out as a double A side strangely quite controversially I preferred this one um because mm-hmm. my initial thoughts when I heard I don't know I think it was just the introduction it reminded me of Don't Look Back in Anger and yeah. I had this sort of like oh <laughs> yeah okay I can see what he's doing but it felt a bit it took, it took a little while to grow on me. Now I think it's a really great one. But yeah. for a later Macca rocker, again, his voice on it is really, it sounds really good. It's a combination of the production and what he's doing, but he's really relaxed. Again, it's mm. a really relaxed voice, and he really pulls it off. It's, it's like, I think, again, he's sort of found how to use his sort of latter-day voice by this time. Mm. Yeah, so I, I like it. And now I've ranted for quite a while. Or talked, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs>
1: I really like it. And I think yeah. I agree with you that it's probably uh, out of the double A side, I prefer this. Right, but okay. I still, I do like, um, I don't know. But yeah. I think the risk, that sort of moment of dread when you hear the title and it starts <laughs> and he's yeah. talking about getting phone numbers and or exchanging information <laughs> is, yeah. oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You know, is this going to be <laughs> terrible? And whereas, like, for you, is a little bit more like that. Yeah. Actually, this one is just very tongue in cheek. Mm. I am flirting. Yeah. I'm I'm an older guy and I'm flirting and <laughs> do you know what? I'm just taking the piss and this is just a pop song and yeah. there's nothing, you know, it doesn't come across as creepy or pervy or no. or even serious. It's just I'm writing a pop song. It's yeah. catchy. It's like you said there's a groove throughout. It's kind of hark's back to, you know, almost that check my machine kind of vibe but more modern. Um, it's
0: a bit, why don't you do it in the, why don't we do it in the room? It only just yeah. occurred to me, it's that, it's sort of that same sort of thing, but brought up to date, I guess.
1: And I think, you know, there's little like, almost ridiculous parts throughout, like the do, 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 which builds and builds and builds but it Mm. you know it's supposed to be like like you said it's really layered and it just keeps kind of piling on Mm. but when that horn section Mm. comes in just really makes it for me (laughs) it's like oh this is brilliant and you know it's like the stuff he did with Rihanna and Kanye West Mm. how can you just fit into a vibe you know something that fits into Mm. the modern day charts In this era of uh, streaming and all that kind of stuff But actually it doesn't feel out of place And Um, if you had taken someone like, oh I don't know, Harry Styles Yeah, yeah And he had recorded it I don't think anyone would say anything other than what a good song it was Yeah, yeah You know? Yeah And it'd be interesting if he did something like the Fireman stuff again Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. Thrillington, you know, under under a different name Just to see how well it did or yeah, just yeah. getting someone like, like Rihanna and Kanye West. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. And what I was reading up today, which <laughs> I, I don't know if the article that I read was in itself a bit tongue-in-cheek. I can't think of the, the what article it was now, but she had basically said this was at the height of the hashtag Me Too movement. Right. And, you know, Paul McCartney's made himself a bit of a poster boy for how mm. men should behave because, you right. know, he's checking should I come on to you? Come on to me? <laughs> yeah, and then you yeah. kind of, no, no, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. takes a step back. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I just think that that whole vibe, it's not to be taken too seriously. You know, he's just having fun. Yeah, yeah. And it does. It makes me smile.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, it's one of those ones when I heard it, you go, oh, yeah, he's still got it. He's still, you know, because it, it is just very fun. And the build of it. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, like, the, the toms in the if you come on to me, I'll come on to you. They're like mm. going down, do do do, 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 You know, they're yeah. really, really big. It's, 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 it's <laughs> kind of outrageous, you know, the production of it. And like the, the false ending. On, yes, I yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I will now.
2: Yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I
0: will, yes, I will, yes, I will. Yeah. yeah. and and the little bass run back into it again is lovely it's just cool it's like this is what he does it is like check my machine sort of brought up to date it's just i love it when he's this relaxed it seems Mm -hmm. to be the the theme on this episode pretty much but yeah he's i love that when he's just relaxed and in the studio he's gone well let's do this thing let's build this up it's just in the same way that you know in 68 they did that with birthday where they basically just jammed it and made it into a song it's the same thing and and I'm just grateful to hear that this guy is still going. He's still alive. And I always am pleased to hear new stuff from him. And when this one came out, yeah, it was just it was just fun. The video is good as well, the sort of lyric video.
2: Yeah.
0: It is a really good one. Um, and, and, yeah, I think still for me, I kind of prefer it to I don't know. You know, I like I don't know. I get the point about it being a bit more mournful, the dogs at my door, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I guess as well it's a bit like um, Queenie Eye.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Which, again, is that piano. It's that jangly piano, the Mrs Mills piano. Again, like I think it's like we said about Big Barn Bed on the, one of the other episodes. If you don't like this one, then you probably don't like Solo Paul McCartney. You know, this, mm. there's a, so much of this in his career, that sort yeah. of jamming, sort of having fun, just, you know, throwing the thing out, like Seamoon, you know.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, But
0: I love it when he's, like I say, tuned into that slightly sort of fireman, slightly sort of loose just mm. seeing what comes out of it thing. And the brass is just great on it. The brass is really cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's a great great opening as well. The, yeah, the yeah. line, um, so you flash a smile that seemed to me to say you wanted more than a casual conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. <laughs> classic Paul, but I, I like it. It works. You've got to remember as well, you know,
0: he was one of the Beatles. So in the 60s, he was probably doing this quite a lot <laughs> because he, he, he was the cute <laughs> Beatle, you
1: know.
0: Yeah. But, but no, it's a very good one. I like it. And now we move on to another one, which I also suspect we're gonna like, Call Me Back Again.
1: back again probably my favorite of the bunch that we've done today
0: okay overcheck my machine that's interesting
1: yeah just about yeah and I don't know if that's something to do with the album that it's from so I really I really have a lot of time for Venus and Mars so 1975 wings it reflects that album quite well I think and again talking about his vocals and using the voice as an instrument to just show that raw emotion. I mean, it's just the premise is quite simple, isn't it? You know, yeah. he's, he's, he's someone that his lover is not phoning him back anymore. He's yeah. loved her for <laughs> a long, long time. She isn't ringing him back. Yeah. But you kind of get pulled into that world just by how he's singing it and how he's using his voice as yeah, that yeah. instrument to kind of it's gut wrenching, kind of almost crying with him at the end because he's just you can hear that pain and yeah, yeah. you know, it's a song that you think, how does he sing that and belt <laughs> that out? And yeah. I mean, okay. We talk about vocal decline now, but not really when you consider no. how long he's been singing stuff like that. Exactly, and like yeah. you said yourself, he's done Helter Skelter, even yeah. you know, relatively recently yeah, and yeah. pulled it off. So he could still do it and he can still kind of churn out that kind of vocal. Um, so this song, yeah, was performed a lot on the Wings Over America
0: tour. I was listening to that version again today. And yeah. I, I thought to myself, oh, no, I, I I prefer the studio version. The live version is just brilliant. Mm. It, I think by that point, because, again, when you watch any of the stuff from the Wings Over America thing, and I know they did a lot of sort of sweetening with the band stuff and the backing vocals. But as I gather, they didn't do any of that with his vocal. Mm. His vocals were always the live vocal. And the way he sings this song, it's both belty but also kind of relaxed as well.
1: Yeah, as and there's to, a tenderness, isn't there, as, yeah. there as well? Yeah. And,
0: and I love the sort of, the, it preempts more the why don't you call me? Because mm. it's, it's a trick. I wrote down a couple of songs to remember about this. It's a bit like Say a Little Prayer, the um, Aretha Franklin song, yeah. or 6345789, the Wilson Pickett song, where the backing vocals actually finish off the title. You know, he's just sort of shouting, yeah. but they're the ones that are doing the title. <laughs> Oh, pretty baby. Oh, and it sort of frees him up to do all the stuff that he can do. And my God, could he sing then? I mean, <laughs> he, you know, he still can, but my, I mean, his voice on that tour. I know we, pref- you know, we really like the Back to the Egg period and that sort of stuff as well, mm-hmm. but it is so good. And in that gig, you know, he's belting a load of songs out and doing lots of different styles. You know, he's also doing, um, oh, the other one from Venus and Mars. Um, Oh, what's it called? You gave gave me the answer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's done that sort of one. And then he absolutely nails this blues soul thing. The man was just an incredible singer. I I don't think he gets enough credit for how versatile a singer he's been across Mm. his career, because I know they say he's sort of pastiche-y often, but this to me sounds like a completely genuine stylistic. You know, it's, it's a good blues soul song and it's just effortless. It's great. Yeah, it's really good.
1: Yeah. So this is one that he wrote while on tour in New Orleans. And I think you can definitely, you know, hear that. Like you said, it's a blues soul song. You know, you can hear that influence, that kind of 60s New Orleans soul yeah, yeah. influence. And that kind of gospel, you know, there's like flourishes of, Kind of gospel esque yeah. vocals throughout.
0: Even that first bit with the build, well, when I yeah, doing the the three chord, yeah. it's very sort of gospel. It's
1: a simple structure, but yeah, though things like that, the kind of mm. gospel stuff, just makes it really stand out. Yeah, and again, it, it sort of feels like a story song. But not because there's not masses to it. It's not like, you know, Eleanor Rigby where there's verses and verses and verses. It's just telling, like blues, what is blues? It is generally someone singing about, you know, my baby done done me wrong. (laughs) And it's that kind of thing. It's just talking about, yeah, the heartache of feeling rejected or whatever. And yeah, for me, I think possibly for the vocal alone. So Mm. maybe that is what I'm responding to more than check my machine. Yeah, yeah. that is, I think, just one of the all-time great vocal deliveries.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, I think, and this is very evident in the live version as well, Jimmy McCulloch, who's playing the guitar on it, there's some really lovely sort of blues lead guitar going on, yeah. particularly in the live version, as I say, with the brass section. So it's sort of the perfect combination of a really good band, you know, really mm. good brass section again, him belting that thing out. Again, I think it's another live vocal. I believe it's a, you know, yeah. a, live, a live take in the studio, which again is just extraordinary because you just, you would re-record it, but he doesn't need to. <laughs> he just does it first time. And it's sort of got that, um, Oh Darling feel, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But if anything, I kind of prefer this one. I think it's more I relaxed. I think his voice is more, you know, is in the pocket. It really works. Um... And it, like, I keep saying this word pastiche, but there's this sort of like almost rumour that that's kind of what he does. And mm. I sort of said at the beginning this thing about, you know, we've got a little bit of reggae and we've got a little bit of like mm. heavy rock, but there are very few artists that uh, are so sort of versatile, right in so many different styles. I mean, that's what the Beatles were really, really known for. And so much of that, I think, is McCartney's influence because you can just see it. I mean, this is what he does. It's like when we uh, talked about Baby's Request, you know, he was sort of, Essentially, oh, I'll write a, a song for this 50s vocal yeah. troupe. It's the same with this. He just, he writes a song that hits all the stylistic points, but also tells the story and is believable just so easily. You know, it's great. And, and it, it shows you, again, it's so it's very hard to pin down Wings and Him, mm. because, you know, again, in this, we've had Seamoon, which is reggae, and then we've had this, which is only, what, three years later. Yeah. And it's this sort of blue soul thing. So, yeah, it, it, it's very cool. Did you see as well, and I'm, I sort of remember this, they released it as part of a digital um, EP in 2014, which was John, Paul, George and Ringo 4, and it was a solo song from each of them. So I think that's yeah. the first and only time that that's been done, where they've been, you know, in sort of saying the idea that, I think there was a quote that John said, rather than having the Beatles get back together, why don't you just get your tape machine and, you know, play yeah. one of my songs and then one of Paul's songs and then one of George's songs. Mm. And that's what they did with this. So it was uh, this one... It was Love, the John Lennon song, uh, Let It Down from um, All Things Was Past, and Walk With You, which is a song that Ringo did with Paul very yeah. recently. Um, but, yeah, this was the selection from that, which is good, I think, because, again, it's another one of those songs that outside of the Wings fans, no one would know this one. It's just no. not. It, it, I, was it a single? I'm not sure if it was. No, um, I don't think it was. But it's clearly one he likes because it was on Wingspan as well and it sort of keeps cropping up. But, yeah, it, it's great. It's it's a really cool just yeah, again, sort of effortless song with with just yeah, an incredible vocal.
1: I had read probably roll your eyes at this because everyone uh-huh. likes everyone likes to sort of put a a Beatles spin on everything. But um I had yeah. read that at the time that this was released, what well, this album came out, that there had been rumours of a Beatles mm-hmm. reunion, like a one off reunion. That maybe, I, I don't know, people had kind of thought, oh, is this song a response to that? Like right. Paul wants it to happen and then the others are they're not calling him back sort of thing. I mean, I don't yeah. know how much weight is in that. It's one well, of those.
0: I don't know if you know that genuinely John was going to go to New Orleans to play with Paul. on on the sessions of Venus and Mars for something. This was around the time that he was with May Pang and he was sort of in The the Lost Weekend. So, Mm -hmm. And around the time he got back together with Yoko. But no, he genuinely was going to go and and essentially appear on something. And then something happened and it fell through. It might have been to do with this green card thing. So certainly that was the case. And I I know, yeah, I've read the sort of rumours that maybe it was a, a song to John or something. yeah. And like we've said before, I think you know there were lots of other people in his life, so you can't always yeah. sort of read it into that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know really. Um, I would have been interested to see what they would have done together if John had have gone, because mm. they are the they're the only two. Well, basically everyone worked with everyone else. Yeah. But John and Paul didn't work with each other, and George didn't work with Paul. So yeah, um, it would have been nice to see. But yeah, I'm not sure about whether it's a song to the Beatles or not it's, it's it's hard to say, isn't it really
1: I also think when he has done that he's been quite blatant about it he's not yeah, he's, yeah. he's not hiding it in a love song
0: yeah I why mean, would he need to yeah, yeah. exactly. Particularly by this point, because essentially their relationship was quite good yeah, at this point. So. And, and, it, and it's quite nice, I've seen relatively recently there's some quite good interviews with John around 1975, where, he. I mean, it's funny to say, because obviously he got back with Yoko after this, and obviously when he was in L.A., he wasn't necessarily in a very good place. But his sense of humour was back. One thing I find yeah. with a lot of John's solo stuff, he's, I felt like he sort of lost his sense of humour a bit. It was a bit too hard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet at this point, where you hear him, talk, there's an interview with... Um, Paris, where you know, and, and yeah, you know, and there's a point when Bob says, Oh, you know, the big question is, like, Oh, are the Beatles can get back together again? and John's really like relaxed and like, Well, yeah. you know, and it's, it's nice to see because I think you don't see so much of that generally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened in that alternate universe if he had turned up in New Orleans and maybe he would have yeah. been on this song. Who knows? It's nice to see that they were more friendly by then, you know, after mm. all the terrible stuff that gone on, yeah,
1: because they had jammed together have
0: not they? Yes. I think what, what that um a, a snore, isn't it? The, yeah, the I mean,
1: it... <laughs> it's which bad. is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of want to forget that that exists.
0: But <laughs> other than, I think it's quite nice the moment when you hear the two voices together again. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, uh, even even if it is such, and if you don't know about it, it's you know, again, Paul went to visit in LA, and they booked a studio somewhere, and they're all quite clearly on coke or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and Stevie Wonder's there as well. I think Harry Nielsen. So it's quite a band. Yeah. And they're doing Stand By Me. And I, I like the sort of quotes where John says, you know, everyone's trying to be cool for school, but they're all clearly just looking at John and Paul going, oh, they're playing together again. You mm. know? So it's, <laughs> it's nice to hear, but it's not, I mean, you wouldn't release it, would you? It's no. Not, it's not good. <laughs> I think Paul's on drums for that again. So that's another he one is, of those moments yeah, yeah, yeah. where he's on the drums. <laughs> But he loves it, he
1: does. Well, shall we uh, move on to the last song of the evening? I think we should. So, talking about John, he will probably come up while we mention this track. We're going to talk now about Coming Up.
0: Yeah, so we're sort of right back to where we started with this one because it's the same uh, sessions as Check My Machine that we talked about earlier on. It's, it's the big single from McCartney 2. And I hadn't realised until I read into it today that like Check My Machine, it basically started with him recording the drums first. And then him working out the song around it, adding the bass, adding the thing, coming up with this thing, which is ridiculous, really, because, again, it's a a great pop song. It's a great single. And it's one, like you said, mentioning John that John heard. And it was one of the things that sort of inspired him to get back in the studio in 1980 to do Double Fantasy. And it was sort of like, oh, You know, fucking hell, Paul's done something good, and I have to go and do something as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of the best of that sort of McCartney 2 thing of synthesizers and the things going on there. It's like a sort of check my machine, but a little bit more organized, Mm. a little bit more sort of put into a a more stricter sort of song structure. It's also got a great video. Um, You know, it's probably one of the best, (laughs) I think, solo videos. And I watched it again today.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: I'd forgotten how funny it is because what's great, and if you haven't seen it, there's essentially 10 Maccas as a whole band and then two linders and <laughs> he's playing everything from Paul to he's hank marvin and he's uh, the keyboard player from sparks and it's great right. because all the characters are interacting with each other in really nice ways he's doing very funny stuff he's funny as the guy from sparks and who's who uh,
1: the drummer who, who is he is the drummer with a big beard
0: i've heard oh, oh ginger baker is the one that i think people have talked to right, right um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny performance what he's doing um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, if you, and it's good if you sort of tune into it and you see the Sparks guy doing his thing with a very sort of serious face and the Hitler-tash. <laughs> it's a really good video, and it's also quite clever because I know they had some issues with this because it's got, like, light programming because they had to do it to make it look... They obviously, he filmed it on mm. the same set, and yeah. there are various sort of light changes, so they obviously programmed the lights to make this work so it's the same sequence, so it mm. all matched up, So which, again, for 1980, that's quite quite advanced. Yeah. And it's also a rare one because you don't normally see him just singing, just holding a no. mic and singing. And he's and he looks very sort of at ease. I mean, again, he was 38, which angers me slightly <laughs> because, oh, for God's sake, you know, <laughs> only 38. But yeah, it was a number two hit in the UK. I got to number one in the US, albeit mm. the B-side version, which is uh, Wings Live in Glasgow. Um, because basically I believe the record company weren't convinced that it sounded enough like him, the normal version. Really? Yeah, and they thought it was a bit too sort of out there, whereas they thought that was a better version. So he didn't know about this, um, and that was the one that was pushed. That got to number one there. Hmm. The, live, the live version's fun, uh, you know, and, and it's good, the brass stuff, but, uh, you know, the, the weird version, like John said as well, the weird version's the better one. I think. Yeah. What do you think about it? I presume you like this one or
1: I do. Yeah. One of my faves off McCartney 2.
0: Again, that is not necessarily a big praise. <laughs> well, one of is <laughs> it's, oh, it's definitely one of my, you know, one of my top 2 because it's about two. <laughs> uh, I'm being a bit hard.
1: Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit like check my machine if McCartney 2 had been yeah. check my machine and this times 10 or whatever, then I would have loved it. You keep waterfalls on there. I wouldn't want another yeah. another waterfalls though. That was fine as a standalone. <laughs> but yeah, for the experimental stuff, it kind of needed to be, yeah, like you say, a little bit of the out there stuff with check my machine, and then a little bit more of the structured mayhem on this. And yeah, I was reading about him just starting with that drum track and building it around that, and. Yeah. You could just imagine him, you know, picking up another instrument, leaving the drum track playing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, playing the next bit, you know. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Going putting it down, doing another bit, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, I read about him sort of saying you sort of get lost into yourself. He said it's a mm. sort of weird. I mean, and I guess we can both understand that, that idea as a musician doing that sort of thing. But, yeah, he's just doing it for his own benefit. There's no one running the tapes for him so he's not yeah. even though it wouldn't be like oh you know you're taking too much time for mccartney it's <laughs> he doesn't have any sort of end of the session so he's just doing what he needs to do until it's done it's that thing as well isn't it i think even someone like him when you're in the studio you're giving a performance and you might be slightly sort of depending on how you're feeling that day nervous or whatever it might be mm-hmm. doing vocals as well particularly because you want to get the vocal right Whereas when you're in your own sort of home studio mucking around with the new tape recorder you got and your new synthesizers, you're not really thinking like that, you know. Mm. So I know he talks about how you know he hadn't intended McCartney Two on being an album until somebody else sort of said it to him. it was hmm. it was just like demos for him to listen to in the car. I wonder if that was the case with this one as well, because yeah. I suppose if you did just start it as a jam, you didn't really know it was going to be, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a really good commercial song. It's got a really good feel to
1: it. Yeah, really good feel, and it's singable, I guess. Hmm. That's the slight difference between this and Check My Machine. Is yeah, it's yeah. quite difficult to sing up, up in the rafters <laughs> yeah. there. But yeah, it it's just, yes, it's a feel-good song, but feels also like he was pushing boundaries. Yeah. You yeah. know, like he was doing with the whole of McCartney too, but sometimes... You know, uh-huh. was Boundaries
0: that didn't need to be pushed
1: For, for worse <laughs> rather than for better yeah. But um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like this This is not one I would skip at all In fact, I no. might seek it out uh-huh. And I would possibly, yeah I would Possibly show a friend of mine That was not into yeah. Macca This is a as a good point to start
0: Yeah, it definitely is That sort of slightly quirky And, and I just, i us say, see in the video again today Because he obviously is playing Beatle Paul as well And that's the first time you see the Hofner again since you know he was playing on the roof basically um and he basically looks the same (laughs) i mean it's only 10 (laughs) years later but it's funny that and he even said you know because he wasn't quite sure about it but then he you know put the thing on and sort of got into it but it's like getting into the character as yourself which is a which is a weird thing (laughs) he's sort of sending himself up in a really (laughs) nice way yeah it's it's a good one a very good one a good one to end this episode as well definitely yeah yeah, we've had quite a collection of songs there to to consider We have And lots of really different stuff there as well So, you mm. know, if you are someone who doesn't know all of his stuff If you don't know the big ones There's probably some good stuff to sort of seek out One mm. thing we didn't say about coming up, which I really like Is that the band are called The Plastic Max Which yes. is his a reference little, uh, to yeah, Plastic Ono Band
1: Yeah, a little nod to John there
0: Yeah, yeah. which is nice but, yeah, if you if you enjoyed this episode, do tell us uh, what you'd like to hear from us. You can contact us uh, on Twitter, uh, McCartney ABC, there, which is also our Facebook address. You can send us an email at paulmccartneyabc at gmail.com, um, and we'd love to hear from you. And... We'll be back with more Macca, presumably D. I mean, that's what you'd assume would (laughs) come (laughs) next. But yeah, um, thank you for joining us again for this episode. As I say, drop us a line and uh, listen to the other episodes too. And we'll see you again for D. See you again next time. Bye. David F. Gray and Clary Sadler and is inspired by and features selections from the music of Paul McCartney.